When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Oh, there he is. Mr. Mankato, there he is, your training camp hero, the dreams of a dozen men who were late round draft picks, (laughs) plaguing well in full team practice, oh he may turn out to be cut before the 53, oh Okay, so early on in training camp, I said to Mike Zimmer, maybe a week and a half in, I said, Mike, let's just you and me talk here. Just you and I. And I said, uh, here's what I want to know, Mike. I want to know which player has uh, flashed that you didn't expect. Who's stepped up? Who has surprised you? Who's excited you? Who could be the next Mr. Mankato is what I was getting at. I don't think he has any idea what that is, but that's what I was getting at. And Zimmer said, I got to tell you. And so I'm anticipating. This is great. Okay, I'm going to have the inside track here. You're not giving us away the answer here, are you? He says, this guy, blank. Okay. Don't worry. Gotcha. Chris Long. Forgot. Radio Maven. Don't worry. I'm setting this up. My gosh. (laughs) So uh, he says, this player, blank, has really impressed me. And all of us, the reporters there went, what? I'm like, who is, I never even heard of this guy. And then one day, he makes a great catch, and Kirk Cousins turns around, and he gives his nickname to this player. And Kirk's like, that's the guy. And we're all like, that's a guy who's going to be selling cars soon. And it turned out that this guy made the damn 53 and will be in a Vikings uniform at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. So Chris Long of KSTP Television, the odds maker on the Mr. Mankato Award, I would like you to announce who this year's Mr. Mankato is. For the first time since I got involved with Mr. Mankato. Was I there at the beginning? I think I was. I can't remember. Sounds like I think you were. Well, I've been asked, uh, you guys are nice enough to ask me to be the odds maker. For the first time... Not only the winner is, if you're more focusing on the betting, is the field. The field is the winner. And I always throw the field on there because you have to, just in case one of these 20 guys we talk about doesn't happen to win it. Never happened. Never would have expected that, you know, I was with you. Uh, We thought Alexander Madison was the favorite. We even told him. I certainly didn't lose. I mocked, we mocked, Courtney and I mocked Matthew for this. He certainly didn't. Very mean. He didn't lose the award. He you did, know I'm sensitive. He did plenty. <laughs> Start crying. Uh, when it looked very clear that B.C. Johnson was going to make mm. the team, you went, man, this guy went from a seventh rounder. You go, ah, let's see what this guy's got. But for Brandon Dillon. Brandon Dillon. The Marion Flash. Undrafted. Let me tell you how improbable it is that he would not only make Please, the team. Please, tell us. I have spent a lot of the last 20 years of my life in the city of Indianapolis, Indiana. I grew up in D.C. My family has moved to Indianapolis. 
If you had asked me where Marion University is, I would not have known that it's located in Indianapolis, Indiana. The I NIA, thought it was in Wisconsin. I know there, you just I know that. there's a Marion, Indiana. It's somewhere up north, Fort Wayne, sort of. And if you're from Indy, that's just kind of over there and you don't worry about it. I had no idea there was a football playing NAIA college seven miles from my parents' home that can can breed an NFL player and, as it turns out, Mr. Mankato. Not only that, when you talk about improbable, how many times can you guys remember, Judd and Chris, where they kept four tight ends? This does not happen often they with don't. four tight ends. I can't remember seeing it. Not until Coob said we're keeping four tight ends. Well, when Coob says it, it happens. WWGD, well, what would Gary do? You're short on receivers and you're short on quarterbacks. So Very short on good receivers, as we saw throughout uh, training camp, for sure. Now, let me give you the stats, because um, a lot of people care about preseason stats. From the man flash? <laughs> Usually for quarterbacks, but we'll focus on uh, Brandon Dillon here. He was thrown to eight times. He caught all eight passes and averaged 12 yards a reception, and five of his eight receptions turned into first downs. And he registered his damn self an 87 score on Pro Football Focus's grade of 1 to 100, which is an elite score. That's all pro if he does it over 16 (laughs) games. Yes, if you were a tight end who had a receiving grade of 90, an overall grade of 87, you are in the Pro Bowl. So, congratulations, Brandon Dillon, for becoming Mr. Mankato. A really, truly improbable story. And here is what makes it even more improbable, Chris. So improbable, we can't figure out the odds. When they traded for Corey Vedvik, it was a lock this guy was going to be Mr. Mankato, right? I had some just weird epiphany when I was writing the odd sheet that said, they're going to bring in a kicker. They're going to bring in a kicker. Because you've watched the Vikings. I just felt it. And it's going to be some guy that somebody knew from somewhere. Didn't expect to be Sweden. Somebody from somewhere that's going to come <laughs> Norway. in. Norway. Norway, excuse me. Same thing. I, I'm kidding. Scandinavians, I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. I know. supposed to be a hockey I'm player, kidding, right? I'm kidding. Not a kicker. Can't mess that one up. He, I, when, when, he, when it, we learned it was him and that they traded a fifth-round pick for him, you and I talked and said, oh, this is over. This is it. This, this is, is over. It. I. And I wish it had happened because it would have been the most genius Mr. Mankato odds inclusion yes. I've ever come up with. It's still pretty good. But the fact that he was Norwegian was just oh, perfect. too perfect. Right. And he's got this great story. Oh, I played soccer over there, and I said, I love football. He even told the story at the podium. This is going to go down as an all-time moment. Corey Vedvik standing at the podium saying, I was a 15-year-old, and I saw the Super Bowl, and I said, that's what I want to be a part of. Yeah. And I came to America because of the Super Bowl. He literally told us this. At the time, it's like, wow, Mr. Mankato, look at you. And now it's one of the funniest things I've ever been a part of. Like, that they had a Norwegian kicker who came here for he the Super Bowl, said, and he got cut, and they traded a draft pick you, for you, him. I turned on, on the TV <laughs> so one day in Norway and saw this guy in purple <laughs> kicking. His name was Blair Walsh. Oh, no. And I thought to myself, I want to be him. I could do that better. I could. I, I could make it from 27 and deal with the cold. Instead, they <laughs> took the little card that they hand to the commissioner and says who they're picking. It's fifth round and they lit it on fire yep and, and uh, watched it burn and, and then and then flushed it on top and then got rid of matt wild yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the the victim in all of this right, really right matt wild you know why so they could upgrade a holder uh so if we were if we were saying who the runners up are there's really only one I'd it's only johnson. only bc johnson yeah. who who i would say Did madison really not qualify he, just, no, he, he, he scored the first touchdown. So, okay, the- well, here here's a little bit of the issue with this. Because Alexander Madison, throughout training camp, showed them that he can be a really good NFL running back. Right. And everyone that I talked to about Alexander Madison said, this guy's got something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's a really good player, and we can't wait to actually use him a little bit because he's very, very talented. And I wouldn't be super stunned if the long-term plan, because of running back contracts, is to make Alexander Madison the guy someday. He's got great burst. He's got great vision. He could do a lot of, a lot of things. But in the preseason games, he didn't do anything. I mean, he didn't have a 50-yard run like Mike Boone. And uh, Mike Boone got a question about him not qualifying because he played in games yep. last year on the active roster. Established himself as an NFL yeah. player. He's an NFL player, yeah. right. This is about people who come out of nowhere like Brandon Dillon. So aside from that, I mean, Madison was okay, but he was kind of as expected. And he didn't uh, have a 75-yard touchdown or anything. Nate Meters had a pick six to start. Yeah. He made the practice squad, but that was really his only big play. Nobody who's a corner stepped up. 
Drew Samia emerged a little bit as a backup guard, but that's not exciting. Hard to win it. We right. always say hard to win it as a lineman. Cameron Smith got cut, made the practice squad. I mean, there just really wasn't. Uh, this wasn't yeah, Her- a year where a bunch of guys made a case for themselves. Like Hercules didn't do anything superhuman. He was a popular pick. I think Courtney was on him. And I, yeah, but he he would have had to get he would have four or five something. sacks yeah. or something yeah, or, to, to yeah. stand out. All right, uh, so we got a few minutes beyond Mr. Mankato. Mm-hmm. So great work, Chris. On congratulations uh, to the field. Not even picking the player in your odds that that ah, got there. They, they, hey, there are upsets. Biggest misses. That's, that's why we play. Sometimes no, biggest misses. It's fine. Um, I guess we could, we, we had a conversation earlier about old takes exposed. Like when people are allowed to go back and be like, Oh, look how stupid you were. Like, I, I think that if you have logical reason for thinking something is going to happen and it doesn't, then eh, it's then you're not really getting exposed. I think it's at its best when it's preposterous. So if like Skip Bayless tweets out, LeBron James will never win a championship. Okay. Right. right, like right. that's ridiculous. Or as Skip likes to do, he'll do that a year and a half after saying LeBron James watch will win four championships. Yes, yes, right. right. So he can have it right either way. Right. Uh, but on on this one, you had logical reason to not include Brandon Dillon, and he just showed yeah. all of us that he can play. So we'll see if he actually gets to be on the active roster at all. Now, uh, here's what I put out there for the Twitter poll, Chris. We've been having a fun conversation about this. So Don Van Nata of ESPN. Bumped into a Vikings fan in the airport. Don is a Vikings fan. And he told that Vikings fan, imagine someone doing this to you in the airport, uh, said, we're going 7-9 and nine this year, buddy. And the guy said, yeah, I know, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> so I said to Judd. Van Nata said that? Van Nata said that. Wow, right. Judd, Judd picked 10-6. and six. Courtney picked 11-5. and five. So my question is, if you had $1,000 of my money to spend on only 7-9 and nine or 11-5, and five, what would you spend it on? But also, I really didn't address that saying that to someone else in the airport could be like a little risky to just. Why? Well, like, let's just say that I was a, let's say I was a Mets fan or something. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I see someone with a Mets hat and I'm just like, Michael Conforto, he stinks. Like, wouldn't that per- this? I'm from the East. This is why. What are you going to start a fight? I mean, well, I'm, I'm going to be like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Well, I mean, couldn't you be like, don't talk to me. I'm trying to get to Norway. You could get you or Sweden. <laughs> yeah, because that would be a kicker. You could get sucker punched. Yeah. Right, maybe not sucker punch, but you could just have the person be like, "What's your problem, man? Like, what? Why are you talking to me?" But anyway, that's again. I'm. Do you want to ask Chris here. what he thinks of the record? The think? chance for the record. <laughs> Is that a long way to ask Chris this question? I don't like people talking to me that I don't know. Well, see, that's a different issue. <laughs> well, who does? <laughs> ask Phil about be riding in elevators. That was one of the best segments you guys have ever had. We were discussing elevator etiquette, but that's a different... Why do you talk to people in elevators? I, apparently not supposed to, according oh, to Judd no. and Phil. No, no you don't. No, no, no. no, no. Leave me alone. People. Leave no, me alone. you don't. I'll give you another one. Leave me alone. Do you Is... hit the button on the Uber, the please don't talk to me Uber button? I didn't even know that existed. That's, that's hilarious. I think it's a new There's thing. There's a button on it's that? Either Uber there is, or, I'm hitting it every either time. Uber or Lyft. Wow. You can pick, I don't want a driver to speak to me. Yeah. I am 100% behind that. Every time. If they don't speak to me, I do this with haircuts, too. Higher if, rating? You, if you give me a haircut and don't speak to me, oh, I'm giving you more money. Social, yep. social, I give you a bigger tip. Social I'm me- right there with you. Social calling. media is the end of our world. <laughs> it just is. Well, no, haircuts don't need talking. Neither does Uber. But they used to because that was your outlet. Neither does riding an elevator. That's the outlet for the person the, cutting your hair. You used to go to the barbershop. Barbershop was Twitter before Twitter. Or at the airport. You're just trying to wear a jacket out here. You don't need somebody coming up to you telling you the team sucks. I'm with you on airport because airport's, <laughs> airport's always a high-stress environment you, no matter what. Here's, so my, here, that. here's the difference. Uber and Lyft, don't talk to me. Cab driver, talk to me because you've got stories. Like in Chicago, it's great because they'll they'll be like, "Yeah, I got robbed just a You're hour stuck in ago. Too. I had a gun jammed to my temple two hours before that." <laughs> Chicago, New well, York cabbies are, are the greatest because sure. they'll they'll go on and on. Uber or Lyft, yeah, just keep your trap shut. Okay. Anyway, the right. the question Sorry. at hand, Chris, before <laughs> we let you go and uh, move on to Myron Metcalf, um, I, I would. Bet, where are you putting your money? I would put my money for two reasons on the eleven win because a. I think that's the more likely of the two. I think that's the more likely. And also, if you're, it's the over under. Nobody bets the under. You always bet the over. You're rooting for something. Even if I'm not a Vikings fan, if you're asking me X or Y with the Raiders, I still would probably take the higher total because you want to root. You don't want to root against the proposition. Why not? That's just human nature. 
People that bet the, no, the but don't, I must be weird. People that bet the don't come bar and craps. I have no use for you. Get out of here. If you don't play craps, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's dark side. You're betting against the table. You don't want to do it. Well, a lot of times, I, I actually hope for the worst. So well, then I must be odd. Then you're the except. Bet the under. Then now with the Vikings, though, I'm with you. I bet the over. Have fun. With I'm that. not going seven. But I don't think seven. I don't think eleven. But I don't think seven. I just think there's a better case for eleven than there is for seven with the team that they have here with the number of talented players and pro bowlers. I mean, just go through pro bowlers that they have. Talented player. Asterisk, unless the quarterback gets... Well, right. I mean, that goes for anything. I mean, I don't even think you're going 7-9 and if the quarterback is hurt. And Sean Manning was the better backup quarterback. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Fight me. Uh, but, there we go again. But, <laughs> Here we uh, go. But but anyway, yeah, I think the the better money would be eleven and five. And Don Van Nata, stop doing that. Stop doing that to people. That would be like a viral video if you just went up to people and were like, it's Don Van Nata, he could do whatever. Red Sox, what's up with your bullpen? Like, you would definitely you get you definitely get sucker punch if you did it in Boston. Okay. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. All we're right. going to come back. Yes, thanks, Longer. Congrats, Brandon. Thank you very much, uh, Chris Long. We'll yeah. be right back here on Purple Daily. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar now joining the show from ESPN. He'll be joining us every Friday throughout the season. Myron Medcalf, what's going on, Myron? Not much, man. Football's here, man. I'm ready to go. Football is indeed here, although uh, I'm not sure what version of the game Mitch Trubisky was playing last night. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that a, a little bit, Myron. I mean, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, and I saw the TV ratings came out today, and many a Minnesota Viking fan was watching the NFC North matchup between the Packers and Bears, um, I, I bet you're conflicted because you have to be like, ah, Trubisky didn't get any better. That's very yeah. clear. But also, what is this Packers defense? And I've been talking about Zadarius Smith throughout the offseason. Like, watch out for this guy. He's a monster last night. Mike Pettin is a clever defensive coordinator. I think you I think you have to feel very conflicted watching that game if you're a Vikings fan. Yeah, I definitely think that because, you know, to me, overall, if you're a Vikings fan, you go, we can do that. I mean, we can hang with both of those teams, right? And then you have to humble yourself. And remember, oh, Josh Allen beat us last year, right? So, <laughs> right. so you can't get you can't get too high on yourself. But yeah, I think the Bears the Bears look like a team that will be a handful for anybody just because of that defense. You know, we always talk about Khalil Mack, but it's Hicks, it's Roquan Smith, it's all these other pieces they have that just frustrated Aaron Rodgers throughout the game. Um, and and he didn't look pretty. He didn't look smooth most of that game because of that Bears defense. But then it's like to your point. Does anybody trust Trubisky to lead this team anywhere? Because it's not even they look like he didn't get better. It looked like he's regressed. I mean, basic throws he was missing. Uh, Collar, like he, he, he didn't to me look like the kind of quarterback that you could trust in really basic situations. And Matt Nagy let him throw 45 times. Uh, but the Packers, you go, Aaron Rodgers, if this defense is the real deal, that's a scary thought, right? Because uh, that's something that he hasn't had consistently in Green Bay. Um, and I'm intrigued to see if this is going to be the start of something, uh, you know, kind of impressive for this defense. But overall, if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm like, we got a shot in the NFC North. I mean, those are two solid teams. We've got our flaws too, but I definitely would feel like we're as much a mix as anybody in this division. So I, I don't think it's overreacting to a single game to say that you're right about Trubisky, where he not only did not look better, but looked worse than he did a lot of times last year. And throws were not on time. He was late with his reads. He didn't even do anything impressive athletically. And then, so it, it almost seems like they're at the end of the game that Trubisky has uh, had a second wind. And things have been going very poorly, but he makes a couple of big throws, and all of a sudden they've got a chance. And then he makes the most abysmal read and awful decision that you possibly could. And, and, and it, it continues to be that Mitch Trubisky cannot throw to his left effectively as he throws that interception in the end zone. And I, I think uh, as we go forward here, we're really going to find out about Matt Nagy uh, and how good he really is at papering over some of these problems because uh, Trubisky has so many flaws that I wonder how can you really fix them? I mean, in a big situation, he threw to Cordero Patterson on a route down the field. Like, don't ever do that. Uh, there were three yeah. three passes that probably could have been intercepted that weren't, um, you know, that bounced up in the air and just came up uh, a little 
outside the Packers players' hands or something like that or bounced off somebody's hands. And I wonder, I mean, last year they were doing all this stuff where they were throwing short passes and things like that, getting yards after catch with Taylor Gabriel. I wonder if other defenses looked at everything they did last year and said, you know what, we, we see some things, some patterns here that we can stop because it kind of reminds me a little bit, and we'll see how it plays out. But when you know Chip Kelly first came into the league and he did a lot of different things and got a lot out of Nick Foles and everyone went like, whoa, okay, Chip Kelly offense, it's amazing. And then a lot yeah. of people figured out the rules and then were able to stop it. And Matt Nagy was running a lot of the same things that he ran last year with the passing game, and it looked like the Packers were one step ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, they, they looked like they were not, um, you know, baffled at all by anything that the that the Bears did. And, and you have to wonder if you're Matt Nagy, was the plan 45 passes, Collar, or was the plan more balanced? Because, you know, that's going to be the question. Was that the result of what the Packers were doing defensively, or was that the game plan? We're going to let Mitch Trubisky uh, get loose and, and see if he can kind of lead us to a win. I think you have your, your answer. The idea that their running backs got 12 carries yesterday. 15 carries overall, three of those were Trubisky. 12 carries overall. Uh, Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, those guys were not getting the, some of the touches you anticipated. And, and to your point, that, that should have been a four-interception game for Mitch Trubisky. I mean, the one interception does not tell the story about some of the passes he made. He just didn't look good. And when you hear Tremont Williams from the Green Bay Packers, I don't know if you heard his quote, but he said, Essentially, we knew we would be okay uh, if we made him play quarterback. His direct quote was, we wanted to make Mitch play quarterback. Yep, yep. We knew they had a lot of weapons. We knew they were dangerous. We knew all of those things, but we knew if we could make Mitch play quarterback that we'd have a chance. Is there a greater insult than that? <laughs> uh, no. Quarterback, Colin, saying, we want you to play your position, and if you try to do that, we're going to beat you, yeah. which is exactly what the Packers did. Yeah, Myron, they almost have to treat him like a, a running quarterback. And that's what I wonder about these defenses. If they're going to say, this guy cannot make throws specifically to one side of the field. He's just not consistently accurate and not consistently on time. And we're going to load up in the box and give him looks where he has to go to pass plays. I mean, that, that's what I mean about the rules, where I'm sure that you know, things like RPOs, for example, Jeff Schwartz brought this up on Twitter. It's a great example. So you go up to the line of scrimmage and you you have the option of running or passing and the defense is going to say this is the defense where you usually pass that that's the choice that a quarterback is supposed to make and we know that you'll make that choice and and so i bet he had the option of running 10 or 15 more times but they always were putting a defense up there in the box to say you've got to pass in this situation and then you're going yeah. to have to beat us by passing and you know maybe uh, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the league who would have no problem doing that, and so defenses have to make a lot of adjustments there. But someone like Trubisky, if you're saying you've got to beat us purely with your arm, uh, I think he's going to have a lot of trouble throughout this year. And that could be the adjustment that defenses make where they say, you know what, we know that you have a good offensive line, that you have a good young running back at David Montgomery. We're not going to let you hand him the ball all the time. We're not going to let you give it to Cordero Patterson in the backfield all the time and get him the ball in his hands. We're going to make Cordero Patterson run routes. And if you do that, that's going to be a problem for him and everybody else on your offense. So this is going to be something worth watching. Is Matt Nagy a one-year wonder kind of guy, or is he a real NFL coach that can make adjustments and everything else? Because I think the the great offensive coaches, your McVeighs and Andy Reeds and, and guys like that, they can realize how defenses are attacking them and what they're trying to make them do and make adjustments um, you know, in their second year and things like that. We saw that from McVay, whose offense continued to be at the top, and Reed has done it for a long time. But I don't know that about Matt Nagy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the question, right, is there were some terrible play calls, right? Even the interception, the, the game-sealing uh, interception, where Trubisky throws in the zone. I mean, there, there are two guys uh, on Allen Robertson, and even if you say, okay, he thought he had a window collar, he wasn't anywhere near that window. He threw it to the corner. I mean, and, and essentially it was it was the easiest play to make. Um, and the Packers have been doing that all night. And I do think the Packers have improved uh, a bunch of additions this offseason. But I honestly think that the bulk of what transpired was essentially, you know, this idea that 
you know, you have a guy, Mitch Trubisky, who just wasn't making the plays. I mean, he wasn't making the throws that you have to make if you are an improving quarterback. And I think the larger thing is, if you're the Bears, you've got to think about what's next. Like, you got to make a decision at the end of the season about whether or not you're going to pay him or, or not, about whether or not he's your long-term option. You can't go into 2020 not knowing that. So there are a lot of implications. And another thought I had when I was watching Trubisky, I'm like, we get on Kirk Cousins a lot about what he can and can't do, but he ain't Trubisky. I mean, that's a whole nother challenge in terms of your quarterback. Whereas you're looking for Kirk Cousins to say, hey, can he be elite in, in some of these situations down the stretch? Trubisky's a guy where you go, I don't know if you trust him to be a starting quarterback with the team that has some of the pieces uh, to get into the playoffs and make a run if their quarterback uh, played better. If I'm Chicago, there's no way I'm sticking with him, and this could be one of those old takes exposed. Maybe he becomes the MVP. Who knows? Uh, But reacting to last year, the fact that he was one of Pro Football Focus's worst quarterbacks in terms of his throwing grades, and then what he looked like uh, last night, I mean, I... I think Kirk Cousins is twice as good as Mitch Trubisky at being a quarterback. Like when it comes to the running stuff, Trubisky is really good and he gave the Vikings fits and I'm sure that he will again at times throughout the season. But when it comes to executing a play and making an accurate throw down the field, Cousins probably has a success rate double what Mitch Trubisky's has been so far. And I don't think in the NFL today you can win with a quarterback who's just giving you a little bit in the passing game and a lot in the running game. I I don't think that that's going to work out for you. And then trying to scheme around all of his weaknesses. I think we've seen this with a lot of quarterbacks in the past and uh, it usually ends up kind of falling apart, right? I mean, if you were going to make a comparison right now, is the guy like, like Vince young or something? I mean, I don't know. It's like like just with being this inaccurate all the time. I, I don't know how you can, this is the co- the conversation with Lamar Jackson, and he's a twice as good of a runner as yeah. Trubisky, and we're still asking, can he make throws? But yeah. I think we saw even more for Lamar Jackson than we did Trubisky. So I, I, I think they're in a really tough spot, and if they end up wasting a great team from top to bottom, like you mentioned, that defense is still spectacular, then uh, that's going to be a, a kind of an interesting era of Chicago Bears football being relevant because of how good their team is, but then wasting away because they don't have the quarterback. Kind of reminds you of, like, Cincinnati with Andy Dalton. That's what the situation yeah. is looking like to me, Myron. Yeah, very Mark Sanchez, New York Jets-like, right? A yeah. little bit about, uh, no, no, he's going to get better. He's going to get better. And you go, well, is he? You know, at, at what point does he have to get better? And here's the other thing about Trubisky. I think people have convinced themselves that this is his second year. This is year three for Trubisky. Right, right. You know, so this is a guy who was in the Mahomes class, and, you know, he hasn't proven that he can be, Forget a franchise quarterback. That's not even the conversation we're having after last night. Can he be a starting quarterback in this league? I mean, that to me is where we're at with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and, and as much as we, you know, sit, talk about Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, at least those guys have proven that they're starting quarterbacks in this league. Trubisky, in my opinion, hasn't even done that much for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I agree. Now, I would say this for the Bears and uh, how they match up with the Vikings. Um, Akeem Hicks, still very good at football. And uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Garrett Bradbury, um, welcome to the NFL, sir, in week four when you get to play against that guy. To me, it's Aaron Donald and Akeem Hicks for the most dominant players when I, just that I have saw last year. I'll put Fletcher yeah. Cox up there, too. And then they're going to play Grady Jarrett this week. It's like... I mean, the interior of this Vikings defensive line or offensive line is going to be tested. And all the things that people have talked about with the zones and the play actions and all those things to help the offensive line, it's all true. But the Packers were trying to do all that stuff last night and uh, the Bears were, were blowing it up. So it's going yeah. to be really interesting to me how the matchups go in the NFC North with the Packers defense looking better. Detroit's defense got a lot more talent this year and Chicago's defense is every bit as good. I mean, if... If Kirk Cousins is going to be worth it, right? He's going to prove it this year in those division games. That was my thought Definitely. coming away from last night. Yeah, yeah, and and I think now I don't want to say there's more pressure, but it certainly looked like there's a level playing field in this division. Chicago's defense is going to make it hard on everybody. Uh, the Packers are intriguing, uh, but the, the, it feels like the Vikings could be right there. Uh, it's all going to come down to quarterback play. That's going to be a major factor. 
Uh, Myron, I want to talk about, before we take a break and then come back and wrap up the week with uh, what you think is going to happen here, Vikings and Falcons, let's talk about a couple other games that are going to happen on Sunday that already have implications right in week one um, toward the Vikings and the NFC and how things are going to play out because clearly the division is going to be tough and you might have to look at a wild card spot. So I'm already kind of focusing on some of the more intriguing teams. And one game that I really... Kind of wish I could watch, but we'll be covering, you know, the Vikings game is, uh, the Rams and the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the Rams are a team that you could see drifting back just a little bit, even though McVay is still there. They still have a ton of talent, but if Gurley's knee isn't as healthy and the offensive line isn't quite as good and so on and so forth, then we could see that kind of year after Super Bowl fade back like we saw from Atlanta and have seen from other teams that make the Super Bowl at times that don't have Tom Brady. And then Carolina, to me, Myron, is a fascinating team because if Cam Newton's throwing motion is fixed and his shoulder is okay and Christian McCaffrey's playing at a high level, um, that team has made a lot of improvements, I think, over the offseason. And, uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they were right in that mix of that 9, 10, 11 wins uh, where everybody's going to be jockeying for in the NFC. So that, to me, is my favorite game that I'm looking at on Sunday. I, I like that, too, man. Is Cam Newton healthy? I mean, according to him, he was hurt, uh, you know, not even at 70% last season uh, and just had a lot of problems. So, yeah, is he healthy? Christian McCaffrey, to me, is the next running back to get a big check uh, in the NFL. I mean, this is a guy who, to me, is the prototype of the next-level running back that you want. Um, so I think the Panthers are certainly intriguing, and we know that the Rams had some tough road games. I- I'm always curious when you have a young coach, Collar, in terms of giving – NFL guys who are the greatest analysts in all of sports in offseason to break down the film and to figure out what your weaknesses might be. Uh, we've seen a lot of young coaches in the past who look great for a couple of seasons and then things got more difficult, right? Um, and I want to know if the Sean McVay magic will, will last. You got a guy in Jared Goff who just got the big extension, more pressure on him. We don't know if Todd Gurley's knees are okay. Uh, just a lot of questions with that Rams team. And now the pressure of you got to the Super Bowl. What are you going to do now? So I think that's a, a fascinating game. Yeah, that's a, a good point. And, you know, when it comes to McVay, I've been a believer in what he's done there in Los Angeles. It's been an incredible turnaround from uh, the Jeff Fisher days. And I think that he is one step ahead of the other offensive gurus when it comes to making adjustments and understanding how defenses are going to attack him and what he did to the Vikings last year. Considering in 2017 when the Vikings took that offense apart at U.S. Bank Stadium and then yeah. Sean McVay came back with a bunch of clever things to do to them uh, when they went to Los Angeles last year. I was really impressed by that because there are very few teams that run a Zimmer defense out of the building like they did in that game. But you get to toward the end of last season, the Matt Patricia Lions make life difficult on them. Bill Belichick copies the game plan. So is it been laid out the blueprint to slow him down and how's he going to react to that? I think we get a sense of that kind of right away, except for I'm not sure Caroline has a great defense. I guess we'll find out about that. I'm much more interested interested to see does cam newton look like cam newton because last year starts the season he's having a great year the completion percentage is way up the creative norv turner offense like what uh great yeah they they looked really good and then he got hurt and was just not the same after that and uh and that was unfortunate because i think they were a good team there's another game here that i think is a sneaky one myron that could at the end of the year um have implications where we're looking at it going Oh man, I didn't really think that that team was going to be there. That's San Francisco at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians in charge. They've drafted high for a bunch of years. They've stacked up a lot of talent. And I do not trust Jameis Winston at all in any way, shape, or form. But I do think Bruce Arians is as advertised as a quarterback whisperer or guru or whatever you want to call it, that he's got a large sample size of success working with talented quarterbacks and getting the most out of them. And uh, even, you know, Carson Palmer was kind of, oh, he's on the second half of his career. I don't know if there's anything left of Carson Palmer. And then he made them very relevant in Arizona when they were a joke when he got there too. So, um or, or at least not uh, what they had, had been with uh, Kurt Warner going to the Super Bowl, and then he gets them back to being that relevant. So I'm, I'm looking at that one and saying, you know what, if he works a little magic with Tampa Bay, they have enough talent to be really interesting. And then on the San Francisco side, 
is Kyle Shanahan really a head coach or just an offensive coordinator, right? I mean, I think we're yeah. going to start to find that out this year. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, – when's the last time you heard something negative about Jameis Winston? It's been a while, right? It, it I mean, has that, been, that, yeah. That, that's a good thing. I mean, if you if you paid attention to him during the preseason, during the offseason, training camp, he's saying all the right things. Now, will he live up to that? I don't know. But he's certainly saying all the right things, and it sounds like he's got a relationship with Bruce Arians that goes beyond the field. Um, and Jameis has a lot to prove. I mean, he's got a lot to prove in terms of his future, not just with his organization, but – in the NFL, and I think Arians is that guy, and I think they are going to be tough. Mike Evans, we don't talk enough about him. He kind of gets lost in the mix, I feel like, when you're talking about uh, all-pro receivers, but he's as good as they come, and I just think it's going to be interesting to watch them, uh, and if the defense can help them out, I think this is a team that will be intriguing. The Jimmy G stuff is still fascinating to me, Carlos. He hasn't started 16 games yet <laughs> I right? know. In, his, yeah. in his career, so this is not a guy that we can say – oh, he played with the Patriots and he showed this and that. Uh, we don't know what we have yeah. in Jimmy Garoppolo. And the other thing is he's got a very team-friendly contract that they can get out of at the end of this season for the most part. I mean, all everybody talks about the big money he's owed, but the 49ers have a pretty favorable out clause uh, at the end of this season if they want to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's actually a lot for him to prove as well going into this season. It's amazing how quick things can change, too, because at this moment, every team almost in the NFL across the board, except for maybe Miami, thinks that they have an answer at quarterback. And by the end of this year, there could be a half dozen teams or more who no longer have an answer at quarterback, right? I mean, Cincinnati yeah. might be looking at their future and, you know, the, the, and of course, Miami is trying to tank and potentially drafting number one and, you know, there's a bunch of other situations, but San Francisco is at the top of the list. Even Oakland, what are they going to do with their card? Do they really believe in him, or are they just sort of saying that they do, and they were hoping that crazy Antonio Brown could you know, paper over some of his shortcomings? So we could have a lot of changes, I think, around the league. Uh, Marcus Mariota is another one. If he doesn't perform, yeah. they could be looking to go elsewhere. So the state of quarterbacking is really interesting, and I think, Myron, it gets harder and harder around the league to analyze like who is a good quarterback, who is not a good quarterback because of the way that systems are designed like Matt with Matt Nagy to try and help these guys as much as you possibly can. And what you're going to be asking is, are we getting the most out of what I'm doing as an offensive coordinator? So would it surprise you if Jimmy Garoppolo was good statistically, didn't win a whole lot, and they still said, you know what, it's just not good enough? I mean, yeah. you look at Kansas City with Alex Smith, it's really an incredible example of the Chiefs going, you know what, Alex Smith is really good, but he's not what we need to win a Super Bowl. He just can't do enough, and then they draft Mahomes, and here we are. So yeah. uh, I wonder how many other teams will say, you know what, the guy might have a good completion percentage and good fantasy stats or whatever, but I'm not sure that he's uh, you know, enough, and uh, and then they try to do something different. So um, yeah. let's, take a, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we will put the final stamp on Vikings and Falcons. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf. Here you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. 345 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download, our final download of Purple Daily before we get to the very first Vikings game of the season. So in honor of that, what are your predictions, Vikings fans? Let us know over at Twitter, over at our Twitter, Score North, at SKOR North on Twitter. Let us know your predictions for the Vikings season and what your predictions for the Vikings score on Sunday will be against the Falcons as they open up the season against Falcons over at U.S. Bank Stadium. Let us know over at Score North, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment this week of Purple Daily. Okay, one final segment of the week. So the last word on Vikings-Falcons opener to the 2019 NFL football, that's redundant, NFL season. Uh, Myron Metcalf of ESPN here on Purple Daily. Okay, well, give it to me, Myron. Tell me uh, everything that's going to happen in this game. Start with the first quarter, go to the kicking game, the holding, everything else. I, special teams, I want you to break it down. Yeah. Um, what, what are what are you seeing here? Because I've talked about all week how I love 
love having a week one matchup where you can get really excited about the opponent. When the opponent is good and you're bringing them in and it's a, it's a great quarterback on the other side and a good defensive coach and there's lots of talent you could talk about. I mean, a couple of years ago when the Vikings played Tennessee, it was like, oh, okay, well, that's certainly a football game. But th- th- yeah. this, this has, a, I think, a different feel right off the bat for this Vikings season to start. Yeah, I mean, for both teams, it, it, it feels like redemption, right? It, just in that you have an offense that didn't do uh, what it was supposed to do, didn't live up to expectations. Now you're coming into year two, healthy Dalvin Cook. Uh, no excuses. Are, are they more comfortable? And and you have a Falcons team that was judged for its record, but did any team face more significant injuries than, than the Falcons last year? Deion Jones, Keanu Neal. Ricardo Allen, they all get hurt in September, and that team ends up being seven and nine. I mean, they weren't terrible, but like the the guys they lost defensively, that changed everything. So uh, it's it's a, a healthy Atlanta Falcons defense now going against this healthy Vikings offense, and, and I honestly think that you will see a, a game where this will be the challenge for Kirk Cousins, not just on, on Sunday throughout the season. At the end of the day. When you're matched up against another good quarterback, are you going to be able to make those big plays? Mm-hmm. Because Matt Ryan's going to make those plays. And that will be the question about Kirk Cousins. If this is a close game, which I think it will be, you know, I think we'll go into the fourth quarter uh, and no one's up by more than a touchdown. Then it becomes, okay, who seals the deal? Who finishes down the stretch? And I honestly think Dalvin Cook, to me, is the guy that breaks the game open. Like if the Vikings win, you'll look at Dalvin Cook's touches and you'll go, okay, that was the X factor in that game. I think he is, to me, after Kirk Cousins on offense, the most important player uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. We are at a point where every time he plays football, and last year he was injured a lot, I just expect him to bust off a 30-plus run, like a, a big play. Yes. I mean, every time he's out there, even the, the play against Arizona, I know it's preseason, but that's what you look at sometimes with this guy. I mean, he just takes the one cut, and he's off, and people can't catch him. And for a guy who is like shorter and has that stockiness, that muscular kind of build. He is just so fast. I mean, coming. this tells you about the 40-yard dash, right? Because his 40-yard dash, not super impressive, but he runs as fast on the football field with pads and a football in his hands as anybody that I've seen from the running back position. And, uh, I mean, that to me, that combination is just, you are an instant superstar if you can stay on the field and, if he is able to carry that load and create the explosive plays, then you're taking pressure off Kirk Cousins. And I think it says everything that you need to know about Kirk Cousins, that that's been a huge focus of the offense. And when everyone talks about it as well, we need to take pressure off the starting quarterback. So it it will ultimately everything come down to him as it always does in the NFL. It comes down to quarterback play, especially now. Um, But in this particular game, if there's an opportunity uh, you know, I think that Delvin Cook can, you know, change the game ent- entirely at, at any yeah. time he's given a chance. So if they can even block a little, he averaged 4.6 yards a carry in one of the worst offensive lines in the <laughs> league last year. I mean, this could truly be special. But I- I'm curious, Myron, do you think that we can take anything away from this game? Like, will we learn? Because I thought last night watching Chicago and Green Bay, like, we can learn things right away, even though it's only week one. Do you feel that way about Vikings and Falcons? I, I do. I, I mean, if there's one thing that you could grade but with both teams yesterday with the Packers and the Bears, it was comfort level. Aaron Rodgers progressively grew more comfortable in a new-look offense uh, as the game evolved. You could see it. You could see him figuring out not just the Chicago defense's adjustments, but also figuring out that offense and, and, and making plays to Jimmy Graham and guys around the field that were difficult to make, but you could see him get more comfortable. Uh, I did Freddie Coleman show on, on ESPN radio last night and, uh, we, we had Blake Martinez on and he talked about, yeah, you could feel that Aaron Rodgers was getting more and more, uh, comfortable with what he was doing in that scheme. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bisky obviously was not, right? That was the issue there. So I think you'll look at Kirk Cousins tomorrow, I mean, Sunday and go, okay, we noticed there's a difference. This is the guy who's had a year under his belt, uh, under Mike Zimmer, a year with, a year with Thielen and Diggs. This guy seems like he's really ready for year two. There's a certain comfort level there. Or we might look at him like Mitch Trubisky and go, oh, my goodness, there's been no progress, and maybe he's even regressed 
from last year. And that, to me, would be alarming if that ends up being the case on Sunday. Yeah, I think what you're going to see from Kirk Cousins, whether it's this week or this year, is that he is not a different quarterback, but it's can you highlight the things he does well, or can you high, or, or can you cover up the things he doesn't do well? Um, and, I, and you have a much better chance with Cousins than someone like Trubisky because Cousins makes all the throws. So if you are designing things properly for him to use his weapons to their maximum, I mean, last year, a good example is they just didn't throw screen passes to Delvin Cook. I mean, are you out of your freaking mind? Like, yeah. why, why would you not throw screen passes to Delvin <laughs> Cook? He was a check down option. He he was a swing pass option, which works sometimes, but uh, to not throw him screens was an egregious error. And, you know, I look at what Pat Shermer did with Case Keenum in 2017. Jarek McKinnon caught 51 passes for 8.3 yards of reception out of the backfield wow. from Case Keenum. I mean, those are easy, big plays, big chunks of yards where all Case Keenum has to do is throw a little screen and they're off and running. And to not do that last year for John Filippo was. I think a tremendous mistake, especially with someone like Brian O'Neill, someone like Pat Elfline. That's what they do best is find people in space. So why not use that? And I think that this coaching staff is smarter when it comes to utilizing the things that uh, Cousins does well and the people that he has around him. But I don't think that there's going to be you know big time changes and we saw a little bit of it in preseason where you know the protection breaks down a little and it's uh, what do I do? What do I do? Take a sack. Uh, you know, and and yeah. not even not throw the ball away because he just doesn't have that whatever in his mind that clicks to just throw the ball away and not take a sack, and that's where you ruin a drive, right? Or yeah. you know, there are times where he gets flustered, and then it's three drives in a row or four drives in a row where they just get absolutely nothing, three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, but whether I can learn something or not on this game, Myron, I would say depends on just how it goes because if Kirk Cousins is rolling early and the Vikings defense does what it does at U.S. Bank Stadium, and they play from ahead, then I'm, I'm going to say no. Then we don't learn anything. It, if, hmm. it's, if it's like Miami last year or something, if Atlanta doesn't show up and you're just playing from ahead the whole game, then no, I, I'm not learning anything. I'm going to learn stuff about this team when you're down by a touchdown against Green yeah. Bay in Lambeau Field or something, right? Or in Chicago when you're down by a touchdown or the first primetime game or whatever it might be. I don't think I'm going to be able to learn much if it's an easy situation right away and things just click. Now, if there is some adversity and then we see more from Kirk Cousins and the offense, the play calling, then I think we could take away, you know what, this is a process that might work as we go down the stretch. Yeah, um, I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, obviously, if they're just running away with it, but that old line, I mean, that new offensive line, I think we'll learn a ton uh, Sunday, uh, especially with this rebooted uh, Atlanta Falcons defense that's finally healthy. So I am very curious to see the young guys, your Bradberries, how do they click? Uh, is Kirk Cousins comfortable? I mean, that's, when I'm talking about comfort level, that's an important part of it, right? Like, is, is Kirk being pressured consistently and constantly? Uh, what are they doing to protect him? Because I think no matter what the situation is, that's something that everyone will be paying attention to. Because, Colin, there are a bunch of early breakdowns, man, and that old line. People are going to go, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Not, like, not, a, not again, right? Like, you, that will be a, a really devastating uh, sign if that's what we see early in Sunday's game. Um, so I guess uh, my question then is, Myron, is that going to happen? Give me the verdict here. Uh, give me – I know everyone loves uh, in the media to give our predictions and picks and everything else, and I'm wrong constantly trying to pick games. It's it's incredible yeah. how bad I am at it. I spend all <laughs> the time you know, doing this and trying to get all the information I can get and writing articles yeah. and talking about this every day, and then I'll pick every game this year wrong because that's just how yeah. it works, I guess. And then my mom will pick them mostly right. So uh, what do you think, though, man? I mean, are they coming away with a win here? 27-24 Vikings. Uh, a field goal? Second, a field goal. Dan Bailey. Are you last saying a field Dan goal? Bailey field goal. Last <laughs> second field goal. To, to, to win the game. 27 how, how far? Vikings. How far is the field goal? 27 uh, 49, yards? 49. Oh, 49 yards. Mom, okay. Yeah, yeah, 49 yards. It'll, it'll be out there a little bit, but 27-24 right. Vikings, last second field goal. Field goal, what about you? Uh, I'm going to say that's bold, man, to go that a field goal actually goes in to win a it's game perfect, for the Vikings. Right? Yeah. It's, it's perfect, right, yes. if that happens. 
That, that's right. And then uh, maybe coming off the field, Dan Bailey can chant, you know, Corey Vedvik, Corey Vedvik, <laughs> take that, Vedvik. Um, you know, I, I also think that the Vikings will win this game because of the U.S. Bank Stadium factor. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess, if the defense looks every bit as good as it's been the last few years. I think last year we could see that there were some cracks early and then those got fixed eventually as the season went along. Um, but everybody is healthy on this team. And, and that's yeah. a huge, huge factor. When everyone's healthy on this defense, even if one guy, let's say Xavier Rhodes, isn't as good as he was before, but you just have so much skill that back there. And this Vikings defense gave Matt Ryan fits a couple of years ago when they played. And I just have a tough time seeing him lighting them up unless something goes really wrong. But I also don't think that the Vikings offense is going to look like, you know, the San Francisco 49ers from the late eighties either. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring on this one, Myron. I think I'm going to go 21, 17. Dan Bailey only makes his extra points. Okay. Okay. That's safe. <laughs> but but Matt but Matt Bryant will impress as Falcons kicker. We we didn't get the um the revenge game from Blair Walsh, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Myron. Every Friday we will do this and get you ready for uh, the weekend and uh, break down what happened on the Thursday night and so forth. Uh, every Friday, ESPN's Myron Metcalf. Uh, thanks for your time, Myron. We'll uh, hand it off now to Mackie and Judd with Ronnie, and they'll continue to get you ready for football. All right, we'll talk to you later here on Purple Daily. Have a good weekend. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.